This episode contains graphic language and content that may be alarming to some. Listener discretion is advised. I never started off wanting to become a secessionist. This is a story about an idea. An idea that started small and grew. I was three years in and I was starting to lose my mind. I was losing my grip on my sanity because it was so much data. An idea so controversial that until recently, it was risky to even say aloud. Oh my God, think about what you're saying. And you're gonna put your name on this and publish this. Are you sure you know what you're doing? Cause you don't get to walk this back. What if it's time to end the United States as we know it? Quality and democracy are under assault. Protesters have now broken into the U.S. Capitol. More than 50% of Americans surveyed believe there will be a civil war in the United States. The United States is in terminal decline. The trend line is obvious. It is falling apart. We want to hope for the best, but we need to prepare for the worst. More and more Americans believe that the United States is hopelessly broken. And so a group of activists in California have made a radical proposal to leave. They call their movement Cal Exit. What do we want? Cal Exit. When do we want it? Now. The term Cal Exit has taken social media by storm. So I really see California as this kind of life raft where we can escape the sinking empire. We don't have to go down the ship. What started as a wild idea quickly grew much bigger. There is a legitimate movement to have California break away from the rest of the United States. It's an idea that some people believe could usher in a new era of justice, peace, and prosperity for the state. And others fear will plunge it into chaos. The most violent civil wars are the ones over secession. Those are the conflicts that governments will fight to the death over. This is the story of Cal Exit. It's the story of two friends who set out to change the United States. We met in person and we started brainstorming the campaign for California independence. They built a movement with hundreds of thousands of supporters. My phone is ringing off the hook. They said, I want to secede now. I want the initiative right now. And ended up in the middle of a still unfolding criminal conspiracy. Now, that's raising questions about whether Russia is behind the secession campaign. The guy who's leading the California independence movement is sitting in Moscow next to this guy we know is funded by the Kremlin. And that showed me how crazy he was. It really let me kind of peer into his soul and just see what a malignant narcissist he really is. The United States is more divided than ever. Could CalExit be the solution? Or could it accelerate the breakdown of our democracy? From Interval Presents and Awfully Nice, this is The Last Resort. I'm Shutescott. Episode 1, The Tipping Point. My body, my motherfucking truck! 
Last June, Megan Thee Stallion was performing at Glastonbury Festival when she stopped to let the crowd know how she was feeling. That Friday, the U.S. Supreme Court had overturned Roe v. Wade, ending the constitutional right to an abortion. Megan, like many others, was trying to process the horror of it all. Performer after performer took the stage that weekend to speak out. Phoebe Bridgers, Olivia Rodrigo, I'm devastated and terrified so many women and so many girls are going to die because of this. Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day. Fuck America, I'm fucking renouncing my citizenship. I'm fucking coming here. Millions of other people raised their voices in protest that weekend. Across America, people marched, they donated, and they looked to their government for a response. In California, Governor Gavin Newsom announced a plan to strengthen the state's laws protecting abortion rights. We are going to enshrine that, codify that, as we should in the state constitution. What do we do? Stand up like that! Hey, what do we do? Watching all of this go down was a guy named Marcus Ruiz Evans. We caught him up the day of the verdict to get his reaction. People are in pain. I mean, people are scared shitless in California today. I know them. I live here. And California has a history of saying, we don't like what the federal government does. We're going to pass a law to stop that. What difference did it make? The Supreme Court upheld Trump could redirect funding to the wall. The Supreme Court upheld Trump could ban people from Muslim countries. And he could keep Mexican children in cages on the border. And he could sell off California lands to oil. And there's literally nothing the California government could do about it. And it is because California is treated this way that we have said you must Calex it. For Marcus, this kind of talk is very on brand because he has spent the last decade pushing an idea most people would regard as impossible. Marcus believes that California should secede from the United States, that we should, quote unquote, Calexit. The CalExit movement was started by Marcus and another activist, Louis Marinelli, back in 2014. Supporters believe that CalExit is the only way Californians can live according to their values. That's great that Gavin Newsom wants to enshrine it in our constitution. But just because you put something in our constitution does not give you any additional legal protection against decisions by the federal Supreme Court. So that's great you're doing that and that will absolutely not protect us from the Supreme Court at all. We have to get connected as Californians and push for CalExit before they take away another right. Because this isn't going to stop. Most Americans support abortion rights, but that didn't stop the Supreme Court from taking them away. Maybe that's one reason why, according to a recent poll, a majority of voters believe our system of government doesn't work. That's created an opening for people like Marcus Ruiz Evans to argue that it's time for change. Still though, CalExit, this is crazy talk, right? 
No state has ever seriously tried to leave the Union since the Civil War, but some experts believe that this moment we're in could be different. Hi, my name is Barbara Walter. I'm the Rohr Chair of International Affairs at the University of California, San Diego. I've studied every single civil war that's happened since the end of World War II, and there's been over 200 of them. Walter helped identify two factors that strongly predicted if a country would fall into civil war. The first factor was something we called anocracy, which is just a fancy term for a partial democracy. Imagine a country where you have elections, but that the person with the most votes doesn't always win. That's anocracy. It happened in 2000, Al Gore winning the popular vote by a slim margin. George Bush, though, taking the election by winning the Electoral College. And then the second factor is something we called factionalism, which is a fancy term for when citizens in a country organize themselves politically pretty strictly around identity. Today, the Republican Party is almost 80% white and Christian. In other words, a faction. So you see, I also call myself a Christian nationalist. And that's not a bad word. And there's nothing wrong with leading with your faith. And I think that's what the Republican Party needs to be about. So you start to get political parties that are ethnically, religiously, or racially based. And then those parties try to gain power, not because they want to share power with the other groups, but because they want to actively exclude them from power. Our radical Democrat opponents are driven by hatred, prejudice, and rage. They want to destroy you, and they want to destroy our country as we know it. Not acceptable. It's not going to happen. And I'm seeing that both of these two features were emerging here in this country, and they were actually emerging at a surprisingly fast rate. We don't always end up with the government that we vote for. And according to Walter, we don't just see each other as political opponents, but as enemies. These factors could mean big problems ahead. I have no doubt in my mind that there is going to be, sometime in this decade, the very first very real secession crisis the U.S. has faced since the 1860s. Here's Casey Michelle. He's reported on CalExit for places like Politico and The Washington Post. I don't know if that's going to be in Texas or California or elsewhere, but given the fraying of political bonds and the broader political tensions, people are just going to start casting about for other ideas. And we're going to reach some kind of breaking point, some kind of tipping point for Americans across the country to ask themselves, is this something that we want to continue? Or if it's not, what are the potential alternatives? And what should really be on the table? Marcus from CalExit thinks that this tipping point it's actually already behind us. The Calexi isn't just possible, but it's inevitable. Oh, uh, we're convinced Calex is gonna happen in the next five years. Uh, a lot of people think that that's a little bit extreme, but our, our point is this. When we started in 2014, people laughed at us. No one's laughing anymore. On January 6th, 2021, an armed mob of far-right extremists stormed the U.S. Capitol, hoping to keep President Trump in power for another term. When you hear the phrase, a tipping point, 
you might think that January 6th was it. But January 6th wasn't about splitting the country up. It was about controlling the government, not ending it. If we have reached a tipping point, beyond which CalExit or some kind of secession crisis is inevitable, there's an argument to be made that it actually happened later, a year after January 6th, when a tech executive named Hari Raghavan decided to move from San Francisco to Florida. Got a Twitter DM from a friend of mine. He was like, I think you're my first friend to get a sitting U.S. congresswoman to declare civil war over something you said. This is Hari. He's in his mid-30s, dark hair. Hari grew up in the Midwest, but he wanted to work in tech. So when it was time to start his career, he knew there was only one place for him to live. California. It was where you wanted to go when you wanted to make it, right? It's a very sexy state. It's also incredibly influential by virtue of sheer size and resources. It's the epicenter of, like, tech and startups. It has to be. At first, Hari loved California. He met a woman and got married. His career was going great. But eventually, his feelings changed. He thought San Francisco was too expensive. He didn't feel safe in his neighborhood. And so in late 2021, Hari decided to move to Florida. Some guy moving across the country shouldn't have been news, but before he left San Francisco, Hari had something he wanted to say. And so he started tweeting. So here we go. I'm moving out of the Bay Area. My biggest reason is that I believe the Bay Area is no longer the best crucible for the American dream. Hari laid out his reasons for leaving. And then he wrote this. This is such a cliche, but we're moving to Miami. I know there's plenty to be apprehensive about, Worse politics from our perspective, its own superficiality, weather issues, critters, guns, but lots of love about food, warmth, service industry, and vibrancy. Worse politics from our perspective. These were the words that turned Hari's moving day into national news. Twitter lit up with outraged comments like this one. This guy is moving from California to Florida because he can't stand living in the mess that lib politics created, and he still has the audacity to talk down to Floridians about their politics. Libs are a cancer. They're the absolute worst people in this country. And then there was this tweet from another user. I support actively discriminating against transplants like this through legislation. They shouldn't be able to vote for a period and they should have to pay a tax for their sins. Finally, in response to that, a congresswoman from Georgia named Marjorie Taylor Greene tweeted this. All possible in a national divorce scenario. After Democrat voters and big donors ruin a state like California, you would think it wise to stop them from doing it to another great state like Florida. All possible in a national divorce scenario. What exactly is a national divorce? Here's Casey Michelle again. A lot of pro-Trump voices have over the past year started floating what they call a national divorce. And it's kind of a cutesy way of saying, we want to dissolve the country. These calls for a national divorce are mostly coming from pretty obscure figures. So to hear it coming from a member of Congress was something new and alarming. And finally, New Rule Americans must answer the question posed on Twitter last week by Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. Should America have a national divorce? National divorce in which we separate the red states from the blue states. National divorce? Like, what on earth are, like... This is a U.S. member of Congress talking about tearing the union apart. If we've hit the tipping point, maybe this was it. 
This wasn't a debate about saving the country. It was about ending it. Marjorie Taylor Greene is well known for her extreme positions, like denying the 2020 election results. But the idea that a member of the U.S. government would openly suggest that there shouldn't be a U.S. government just shows how divided the country is and is a warning for what might be coming next. Well, I mean, it was immediately apparent, like, national divorce means civil war, right? Um, it's, yeah, like, it's, it's I don't know, is, is that even a, a, a euphemism? I, like... Support for the idea of a national divorce has continued to grow. But her question does represent the thinking of a lot of Americans on both sides. 66% of Republicans in the South say they would support secession to join a new confederacy. You have a lot of people on the left and on the right talking about the country splitting up. We are going to be a country where the red states become redder and the blue states become bluer. And maybe then the best hope is uh, a friendly separation. In Texas this year, Republicans added support for a vote on secession to their official party platform. New Hampshire is considering a bill to declare its independence. And then, of course, there's California. The campaign for Cal Exit, the secession of California to become an independent country, has been gaining steam. A recent Reuters poll found one in three Californians support the idea of the state withdrawing from the United States. Proposals for California secession have been around for a while, but it wasn't until the election of Donald Trump in 2016 that people started to talk about it seriously. Trump scared and alienated many liberal Californians. In their eyes, the American flag waving at Trump rallies didn't represent freedom or democracy, but something ominous. They went looking for a way out, and that search led them right to Cal Exit. This flag represents for me a flag of imperialism and war and, and discrimination and all of those other things more than it does uh, like this flag of freedom. This is Louis Marinelli. He co-founded CalExit along with Marcus Ruiz Evans. We interviewed Louis several times for this podcast, and this tape is from our first conversation with him back in the middle of 2021. I think that not only would it be beneficial for the people of California and for the people of the United States to have this type of national divorce that allows the two to kind of go their own separate ways and to, and to pursue their own futures, but also I think that California as an independent country would be able to do things to make the world a better place. For some of the Californians horrified by Trump, the vision presented by Cal Exit was exactly what they wanted to hear. I mean, imagine a California where you had you know, quote unquote, free university education and quote unquote, free healthcare. I mean, you're kind of turning into a country like Northern Europe, which is, you know, according to most surveys, are the happiest countries in the world. And so that's kind of the direction that we'd like to take California. I would like to make Californians the happiest people in the world. According to Marcus and Lewis, Californians could free themselves of Donald Trump. They could protect progressive values like abortion rights, and they could stop taking shit from the rest of America. All they had to do was Cal exit. This scene from the TV show The Politician summed up the sales pitch. We can't agree on policy in this country because we can't agree on facts. Okay, I'd like to move on. And that's why I think California should secede from the union. I'm sorry, would you care to elaborate? California should be its own 
independent country. Most of our federal tax dollars go out of state to people who think that we are pot-smoking, Satan-worshipping, abortion doctors or something, who can't shut up about how our high taxes are strangling the private sector, and yet somehow California manages to remain the world leader in growth, industry, innovation, and culture. We have the best public university system in the history of humankind. So maybe, just maybe, we are doing something right. And you have to ask yourself eventually, are we ever gonna change their minds? Are we ever gonna change them? No! This state is in a bad marriage. And what do you do when you're in a bad marriage? You get a divorce. Sorry, Texas and West Virginia and Alabama. I'm sure you're beautiful deep down inside, but we're moving on. You can see why the pitch for CalExit might appeal to a lot of Californians. But for me, I'm not sure what to think. You might be wondering, who am I? I'm an indigenous artist and activist. I'm 22, and in a way, I kind of grew up living like two lives. I was a poor native kid, isolated in a very white community, and trying my best to stay connected to our culture in Mexico. But I was also a rising figure in the climate movement. I was six years old when I gave my first speech. Hello, my name is Shutezcato Matthew, and I came to talk to you today about how sacred the earth is. As I grew older, I learned more about my ancestors' history and how governments today, especially the U.S., continue to exploit indigenous communities who are among the most impacted by the climate crisis. Our government is largely responsible for the climate crisis in the world today. The environmental movement can seem separate from the rest of the world. But if you look at it, it's connected to politics, to human rights, to race relations. Like When I was 15, I gave a speech at the United Nations, urging world leaders to take action on climate change. We are approaching 21 years of United Nations climate talks. And in the last 20 years, almost no agreements have been made. We need you to take action before it's too late. In the seven years since that speech went viral, I've watched world leaders fail to meet the urgency of the climate crisis. And back home, politicians from both parties were selling out to the fossil fuel industry left and right. I became more and more disillusioned by our institutions. While I was doing all the activism stuff, I was also falling deeper in love with music. I grew up listening to KRS-One, Talib Kweli, and The Roots, soaking up inspiration for the songs that I began to write and perform around my hometown. I wanted to be a part of this legacy of artists using their voice to bring people together. When I was 17, I went on tour for the first time and started to feel like I could really be a part of that. All of my experiences have led me to deeply believe in the interconnectedness of our world and our struggles. But at the same time, our society has only grown more polarized and more apathetic. That contradiction is part of what inspired me to write the song you're listening to right now. It's called Se. Writing open letters, closing out my kin. I've been shedding skin till there's nothing left. I've been playing Indian and moving west. Questioning my purpose, how to weigh my gifts. I know we are war, coming for our flag. America don't love us, why we love a bad? How we claim democracy and stolen land. Maybe revolution, show me who I am. I wonder what we see if we live beyond that. 
All to say, I want big systemic change in the United States. But is Cal Exit the change we need? I don't know. So we're going to try and find out. Over the next seven episodes, we'll unpack the Cal Exit story. We're going to try to understand what it would mean if Cal Exit actually happened. Do you fully comprehend the implications of this? Why would the rest of the states, why would the rest of us Americans let California go without a war? Along the way, we'll also ask a bigger question. How did the U.S. become so divided that people are seriously talking about a solution as radical as a national divorce? What will it take for those divisions to heal? It's a question that feels way more urgent as we head into midterms that could decide the future of issues like election integrity, the fight against the climate crisis, and the right to an abortion. Issues that could push our country to the breaking point. The notion of secession is very novel, right? It's gaining quickly. I think the abortion debate is going to make it front and center, genuinely. I think it is going to really cause people to question whether they are living in a unified country anymore. What I do know is that the trends go one way and that if steps are not taken, America will fall, will stop being a democracy in the near to medium future. So let's get started. Next episode, we dig into the origin story of the guys who started it all. CalExit founders Marcus Ruiz Evans and Louis Marinelli, two dudes that could end up being our new founding fathers. Who are they? What do they believe? And how did they go from best friends to, well, this? Louis is out of the movement. He is dead to the movement. He will never be coming back. He's destroyed his reputation, and nobody wants to have anything to do with him. If you say he's attached to CalExit, people are going to call you out on that and call you guys liars. That's all coming up on The Last Resort. The Last Resort is an Interval Presents original production from Awfully Nice. From Interval Presents, the executive producers are Alan Coy and Jake Kleinberg. Executive producers from Awfully Nice are Jesse Burton and Katie Hodges. Written and produced by Jesse Burton and Dana Balut. Associate producer is Suzanne Gaber. Project management by Kadi Kamakate. Editing, sound design, and mix by Nick Cipriano and Kiana McClellan of Bang Audio Post. Original music by my boy Matawai Yuhi and me, Shutezkot. Theme song by me, Shutezkot, and Sweet Sound. Fact checking by Lauren Vespoli. Script consultation by William Bauer. Operations lead is Sarah Yu. Business development lead is Sheffi Alenswig. And marketing lead is Samara Still. I'm your host, Shutezkot. For a full list of the sources used in this episode, please check the show notes. Make sure to follow, rate, and review The Last Resort on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. I run with the wolves, we run through the woods, we run when we won't.